Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Crypto Hipster Podcast. This is your host, Jamil Hassan, the Crypto Hipster, where I interview founders, co-founders, entrepreneurs, executives, artists, authors, musicians, you name it, in crypto and blockchain all around the world. And I have an amazing co-founder today to talk to us, and his name is TJ Chang. He is the Chief Operating Officer officer, and Co-Founder at ShopX. DJ, welcome. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. I'm excited you're here. I interviewed somebody from ShopX last year, I think Eric McHugh. Yep. It was a cool conversation. I look forward to speaking with you. Yeah, absolutely. Eric's great. We love chatting with him too. <laughs> cool. Very cool. Um, so I'll kick I'll kick things off and I'll ask you sure. the first is what is your background and is it a logical background for what you're doing now? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll take you all the way back through my degree in college. I got a degree in economics um, and also a um, dual degree in music. So since I was, uh, you know, a, a teenager, I've been using both the left and right side of my brain. I feel like that's helped me a lot with problem solving abilities. I pretty much went straight into private sector finance at uh, Merrill Lynch. And then after that, I've worked in between operations and sales uh, between startups and large enterprise companies. So in my beginning of the career, I was really working on sales and operations. I started or I was one of the first hires for a telecom startup. I then went over to Equinox Groups um, to manage and run sales for their gyms in Southern California. So I, I I slowly started to get a strong name for myself in sales and really how to, you know, create business development strategies, how to go to market. That's really where I, um, that's really where I thrive. And I love helping startups, you know, go to market. Cyrus and I have started a bunch of companies before. Uh, we've consulted other companies on go to market strategies. So I, I, that's really where I come to life. And it really, you know, I love the question about whether or not that's relevant in the Web3 market. I always say everything's relevant because almost everything has shifted. I got into the space in about 2017, right? And since then, in just what is that, like a six-year period, we've seen so many different industries adopt Web3 technology. At the time, you know, digital art wasn't even a thing yet, right? DeFi wasn't really even a thing yet. Uh, so there's a lot of different uh, industries, whether or not it's relevant now, whether it's going to be relevant in the future, the the technology is already in so many things that we're utilizing that almost any background is is relevant. You know what else is relevant? And people dismiss this all the time and well, think about it is you started off our conversation today saying you got the opportunity to use the right side and the left side of your brain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I so highly like believe in, in both that. Right. Um, how do you find that both sides have been able to help you in your journey in Web3 so far? Yeah, I, I love that question. And by the way, this guitar back here, I play it when people are late. I practice when people are late for meetings. You know, those like two to three minutes people are running behind or something. I always just pick it up and, you know, at least feel like I'm productive and keep my brain working because I'm the kind of person that always likes to be doing something. My days are like scheduled to the minute. Uh, so I usually will pick that up in between just to keep that side of my brain working. And I think there's a very creative side around it. And I've really loved, uh, I, you really see this come to fruition more in entrepreneurship and in the Web3 space, more so than, you know, corporate Fortune 100 companies where you have, 
you know, larger guardrails. In fact, for me personally, I always felt a little stuck. I always felt a little stuck when I was working for large corporations uh, because the way that I solved problems were just not the typical way that I was expected to solve problems. And sometimes you get a great manager that'll let you do that. Other times, you know, that kind of thought process is considered rebellious or not following the standard operating procedure. So I went in and out uh, corporate feeling like I was either like a rock star or I was like the problem child, right? Uh, and, and I really enjoy that part of entrepreneurship and especially the Web3 community. Nothing is out of the, uh, nothing is too creative in the Web3 space. Uh, in fact, I almost think that it, I had to, when I got into the space, I had to adjust my brain because sometimes I was thinking, well, that's a little bit like woo-woo up there. I don't know if that'll happen. And you know, two, three years later, it's happening, right? I remember Cyrus and I were talking about dual token models. We were even talking about non-fungible tokens back in 2017. And I remember thinking like, cool, but I don't know. Like, I'm like, my feet are on the ground. I don't know if that's happening. And you just slowly see these things happen. So over and over again, we're seeing people that are creative, that are able to use that right side of the brain to solve problems, to really think of creative solutions, really gain that you know, first movers advantage. And we've seen that over and over again in this space. Yeah. I was an analytical guy. Most of my career, I entered, I entered web three in 2017 and became an author. And so, you know, um, it is, you know, um, yeah, we, I could talk for that for, for days and ages, but I'm going to talk about shop X today. I'll ask sure. you. Actually. I, I'd uh, love to. Awesome. Um, what is shop X all about? Right. And, what have some of the been of the wonderful things that you've been up to recently? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think to answer that question, I think it'll be better to understand me and how I got into the space, because I think that a lot of people just create projects based on what's hot and based on what's, you know, trending based on what's going to give them, you know, revenue and money. And those things are important, but I find it important to tell people I didn't get into the Web3 space because of the pump and dump schemes or to make money quick or to invest and get things. In fact, that actually almost prolonged my enthusiasm for this space. Uh, right when I was getting into the space was when Ethereum was really becoming something mainstream and people were starting to see smart contracts and escrows. Uh, and I've been in e-commerce, I've been in sales, I've been in affiliate marketing, I've done network marketing, I've done so many things that I felt like smart contracts could really solve. And that's what drew me to this space. Um, it wasn't at the same time, right? We were right heading right into 2018 when everything was crashing, right? And all of a sudden when things crash, nobody's interested anymore. Uh, so that was, it, 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 it's important to, to note that because that's why we created ShopX really was to solve a lot of the problems in the e-commerce landscape. We're not like other founders or other people that are just trying to make money, trying to just like pump and dump a token. There's really cool utility and, and work and um, use cases behind our token, behind our ecosystem. And there's so much more that we even want to discover that I'll, I'll talk a little bit about later in the podcast. Uh, so to sum it up, pod, uh, ShopX is Web3 Commerce. Right? There's a lot where technology that allows any brand to access the benefits of Web3 with simple app plugins on Shopify, on WooCommerce, um, coming up, we'll have API documentation so that if you're not on one of those commerce stacks, you'll be able to implement our technology. But 
we we've had Cyrus and I have had years and years in this space, and we wanted to bring the 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 benefits of Web three to brands that may not have that experience that we do, that may not have the development teams to be able to build out you know loyalty programs or verification tools or token gating tools that can be so beneficial for their business. Uh, so we've spent a lot of time developing technology so that they can just plug and play, especially if you're on Shopify or WooCommerce, we're live on those two platforms right now. Uh, you can just download the app and start to use NFT technology within minutes. So that's something that we're very proud of that we were able to provide to the e-commerce world. So I, I want to see how you compare or if they're, if they're a competitor, um, mm -hmm. Lolly, how do you fit into the ecosystem versus how they fit into it? Lolly, let me look. Um, let me look them up really quickly. You earn Bitcoin for making purchases on retail stores. Yeah. So the the way that we differ really is that we we provide we provide customers ownership of. Um, I always like to think of this as timeshares, right? People people understand that concept a lot better. Um, when you have a timeshare, you own part of the hotel or whatever chain that you're at. What we we allow people to have ownership into the e-commerce store, such that you know, referrals such that, um, you know, affiliates, it means something. Now your value is actually going up. The problem in today's landscape in, in Web2 is that it's a one-way channel from customers to brand. In order for customers to benefit, have any access or any sort of benefits, they're still spending money. At best, they get like a 25 or buy one, get one free discount. So you're draining money one way, but the loyalty is not coming back the other way. So what happens if the brand decides to shut down their program or the brand decides to pivot? All of a sudden, all the data points that you have showing your brand loyalty to that brand is gone. You don't own it anymore, right? So, and there's other brands that come up. What if uh, I've been in the athletic industry for a very long time? I always like to compare like Nike and Adidas or something. Let's say I'm over Nike, right? I, I don't want to be there, but I want to show somebody else that I've been loyal to Nike, right? I now own that data point that I've been loyal and that I've been able to help. I've been part of this progression. So I don't need to start, I don't necessarily need to start over with another brand, right? In this landscape right now today, they don't have that option. It's always controlled by the entity, by the entity that's benefiting. So we as consumers just keep spending and spending and spending. And that's also why, and we can, I see this as one of your questions later, when there's an economic downturn right now, we're much less likely to spend because we're not getting anything back for it, right? When every dollar counts that much more, it, we, we as consumers, double think of what we're not getting value back in. So if we're just draining away money, we're much less likely to spend on a store than if we're actually, if our money is actually building our net worth. So that's what our technology allows customer, our brands to do is pretty much easily give access to their customers to have some sort of ownership into their store so that they feel like they're a part of that, that ownership program. And what that ownership does, is it allows the brands to either, you know, target their most, valuable customers or even token gate products that bots are coming in and taking up that inventory so that, you know, customers don't need to spend five hours waiting for the next drop. You know, the, the people that have that ownership get access to certain things. Um, so I, I really haven't seen other, other um, bridge web two to web three technology companies doing that right now. There they are companies that are minting NFTs for their, you know, collections or the, how to uh, tokenize items. I've seen a lot of companies do do that, but I, I really haven't seen people really fully immerse themselves into the full decentralized process of giving ownership 
to your customers. There's a lot of what we call web 2.5 companies out there that are help bridging the gaps. And I think those are very important as well. Uh, I, I think any company that's trying to get you over to web three is a benefit, but we really wanted to dive full in and, um, and give customers access and, and ownership to brands. We've seen this be very, very successful, even in, you know, economic downtimes, we've helped brands make hundreds of thousands of dollars that they wouldn't have made uh, if it wasn't for our technology. That, okay. I understand. I understand how, what you do. <laughs> and good. You know, I'm um, glad I felt like I talked for a long time just now. So I'm glad it landed. <laughs> it landed. It landed. So yeah. So customer ownership and, you know, I just can't help, but tell you that I have been going through some sticker shock recently you know, um, because of like when I go to the grocery stores instead of like yeah. 300, 500. So we are in an inflationary period. And you said we are about customer ownership. How have you been impacted or affected by, you know, uh, and your ability to empower customer ownership during this inflationary period? How do you navigate it? Look, our business is interesting because we have a, our business is b2b but there's a 2c component of it that is challenging across all brands right now once we once a business picks up our license now they have to sell it to their customers right they had to get their customers involved and that's really where we've seen in the past you know six to nine months a, a lot of hesitation is coming uh, from that side and we have data to prove that they shouldn't be hesitant but of course with media and with consumer confidence, it's very, very hard to shake that narrative. Uh, I'll tell you right now, it, the, the scales have really flipped here. Brands are so excited for the solution that we can bring because they see the value. They see that we want people to be loyal to us, even in a recession, right? We want to be able to take out the competitor landscape to, to really keep loyalty to our brand. The problem is how do we get our consumers to un understand that this is a positive relationship between brand and customers? And for us, we're technology. We I, I always say, sh as a business owner, the last thing we want to get tied into is becoming an agency, right? When you build technology, you never want to be the agency. Otherwise, you end up doing, uh, you know, agency support, um, customer service and roll on and stuff. And that's not really where we thrive. We really thrive in creating technological solutions. Uh, so we pair up with other e-commerce agencies to help them do that. But it it is a tougher narrative to take right now. And it's tougher for brands to sell anything even even to accept bitcoin or to accept you know other crypto payments it's very tough because all consumers that are seeing that are not familiar is spf is now guilty so crypto sucks or um um all coins are crashing or bitcoin is crashing or they see they they see a little tick up but the consumer base doesn't know that bitcoin is actually slowly increasing right now they they haven't really heard about that only crypto enthusiasts are really hearing about it Right. Uh, so it, it's really hard to sell to your customers. But I will say the companies that can get ahead of this are going to have first movers advantage and they are going to benefit way beyond the other companies that tie on to Web3 a lot later. Once media starts to talk about it more positively, once it's more adopted, it, you're going to miss the boat. That's what I tell everybody. You got to take the risk now. It may fail a couple of times because your customer may not understand what you're doing, but at least you'll get those you know, hits of understanding before it's really adopted and you'll be known as a industry leader. Yeah, I, 
I see it that way too. People are talking about the Bitcoin happening happening in in uh in the March, April, and after that, it's okay to get in. No, actually, you want to get in now mm-hmm. <laughs> before, before that thing happens, and then you know we we go up uh, because we are inching up. Um, well, so- it's interesting because we live in a very um, interesting time frame right now where we actually were able to see the transition from web one to web two, actually, you know, we got to see the companies that, that did take off that were able to be, um, you know, front runners in the web two transition. I can tell you, I was not a pioneer in web two. I was so confused when people walked into my office and said, I'm an Instagrammer and, and I make a living off of this. i could not piece it together at the time. Uh, and I so wish that I, th- I so wish that I did. I was working in tech and I was working in sales at the time where my mind was so linear uh, or trained to be linear in that, in that space where I just couldn't understand how do you make money off of somebody else's phone, liking your photo? <laughs> like <laughs> I, I even thought like, uh, it w- so, so we saw that transition from web one to web two. To the point where now, if you're a business and you don't have a Facebook, Instagram, social media marketing strategy, it that's a big hole, right? It's expected for every business to have it. And so we saw that opportunity and we saw what it would have been like and on Web2 earlier. Most of us got in later when it was expected. Now we have the opportunity to be in front of it again with Web3 and people are, you know, emotionally tapping into what it was like to to lose out on that web two transition. And they're now understanding, or the people that are in tune with technology are now understanding like, this is my shot now, right? This is my shot. Even go take it all the way back to people that got in the dot-com boom, right? People understand what it's like to pioneer certain technologies that are now being adopted. I would say if you got in on it in 2020, 21 better, but now it's, it's still not too late now. After everything's adopted, then yeah, it's too late. You're no longer special. It's already been proven to work. Right. And there's some brands that are willing to take that, uh, that, you know, comfort in knowing that they want something that's a little bit more um, safe. But that's not who we want to work with right now. We want to work with the companies that want to disrupt the space, that know that this is something cool that can pioneer things with us. And that leads me into my next question. So that's great. Um, Perfect. I love yeah, when that so, happens. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. So do I. Because it's, it's, it works well. Um, so the current you mentioned NFTs, right? And I want to find out from you what the current state of the NFT market is in the metaverse market, because that's the next market, right? And what your role with them is going to be, you know, as we move forward. Uh, can you repeat the, the question? Is what is our role with NFT technology as ShopX? Yeah, yeah, ShopX. What's your what's the current state of the NFT market and the metaverse market, and what's your role going to be as those two markets, you know, um, mm-hmm. yeah, look, the NFT market is way lower than it was, you know, back in back last year, or even the year before. And I always like to separate those two, by the way, I think we've actually done a disservice to the metaverse space and the NFT space. I, a lot of it's combined right now. People talk about it as one unit, but they're actually very different entities. Uh, so I want to, I want to separate those two actually, and just talk about the NFT market first. But this is like, if people understand stocks, right? People understand the equity market or certain things. When the the market's down, it's the time to get in, 
when, when the market's high and you see, you know, board ape yacht clubs having these like massive rooftop parties with Eminem or whatever, that's not the right time to get in. <laughs> that's like a celebration of the people that have gotten in before and pioneered it, right? So it's no secret right now that the NFT market right now is low. And I always encourage people to take that as an opportunity to invest yourself in it. The risk is much you know, even though it's lower, the risk of what what you would lose is much lower, but the opportunity is much higher. And then you slowly, like we always play this game with ourselves. Like when is the right time to get in? And there's no, you want the confidence for it to go up, but then you start to play this gate, this guessing game. Uh, so if people are very um, tied to the NFT market, I would always encourage a time like this to get in. That being said, though, the role that ShopX I feel like I want to I want ShopX to play a role where people don't even really look at the NFT market for its price value. I want them to look at the NFT market as value. That NFT is technology. You know, just like how Bitcoin solves the double spend problem, right? Um we can use NFT technology to solve the double sale problem. Right? So I want people to start to see NFT is not so much just like as trading JPEGs or certain things like ShopX is really like we use this technology to sell licenses, to have utility behind certain um, certain brands so that brands can tokenize and uh, token gate uh, certain products. So I, I don't want people to be looking at NFT technology, at least the way that we're using it, like a market that you're trading on. We want them to buy in and use it as utility so that they can really be part of this movement to get more brands adopting this technology, right? And then you can really let customers shine and have your product value determine what the value is of your NFT, right? Is my NFT um, for Nike going up because our products are good and that people are validating it and that our, that, that our holders are holding on to it because they like our products, not because the NFT market price is going up and down. So that's the, that's the role that I, I hope ShopX will take in, in the entire e-commerce stack. Got it. That sounds good. You know, um, I've been looking at NFTs as collectibles, mostly for me, for myself. It's yeah. Collectible. Most people, most people do. You know, and but I haven't considered its role in loyalty as far as yeah. like economics, you know, um, how do you see like, I don't know, you said you want to handle, you want to talk about the metaverse separately. Oh, yeah. Of loyalty, getting people and nudging them into the metaverse market. How is ShopX planning on do that? Yeah, so ShopX, here's the thing about the metaverse market. We're not, we we never sought out to target the metaverse market. It kind of just happened at the same time that NFT technology was really, you know, booming and people were creating metaverse stores. So it, naturally in e-commerce, we, uh, we, we've had talks about having, you know, the metaverse, having, having our um, virtual experiences, right? Allowing people to really engage with us virtually and having, using that NFT technology to be able to verify identity and verify products and attaching NFTs to products to be able to purchase. So it gets sent to you. I myself, uh, just to be very candid with you, am not necessarily the biggest fan of the metaverse just for what it does to our society. I feel like it's taken away this human element. And I know there are people and technologies that are working on humanizing the metaverse experience. I personally, ha I I'm old school. I, I feel like person to person, face to face never goes out of style. I think metaverse can be a very great tool for 
you know, additional add-on sales to be able to, you know, have quick and easy access to to shopping malls. But it, it's not an area of expertise for me. And I for sure um, can tell you that it's very separate from the NFT market. They're not necessarily always hand in hand. And I think that the, the, that would be a good question for somebody in the metaverse space on how they want, how they see e-commerce fitting in there. I personally am not a metaverse expert. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. We got to wait. And I go. think we're using it the wrong way, by the way. <laughs> My opinion. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know how we should use it. <laughs> we'll, we'll, time will tell, right? So it's, uh, it's strange as somebody who's not an expert in this space. My like pedestrian opinion is that there's very good use cases in terms of efficiency, uh, but there's very big detrimental um, effects of it based on our brain development, our human to human experiences, our, our EQ, certain things that are that have made our generation grow like EQ and IQ, those things aren't going to grow. So are we taking a cut back on our EQ to in order to further efficiency? And is that even a, a equal or a good enough trade off? So that's my personal opinion on it. It's definitely cannot be denied that the metaverse has efficiency um, tools to it. Same thing can be said about AI too. So that seems like a different podcast conversation. <laughs> oh yeah, ah, yes, that's not my area of expertise right now. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> uh, so we talk about effect, right? Mm -hmm. So something in retail or, or you know in shopping or um, wherever is is called this thing called the January effect, right? Yes. Um, and we're headed, we're almost going to be in January soon. We've got a month and a half to get to go. Why is the January important for customers and brands, you know, and what's the, the impact of that January effect? Well, it's arguable as if we're even going to get one this year. <laughs> but I think if you're referring to the financial term, the, the January effect, where typically we see a boost in stock value, um, Right? Are you asking whether or not it's gonna? You see it paralleling to um, the Web three market? Yeah, do you see a parallel? Ooh, that's a good question. I want to say yes for uh, for a, a bunch of different reasons. You know, people are very hopeful for this bull market, and people are looking for, you know. A, a reason to get in. And I do think that people will, you know, one of the biggest things about the January effect is that stocks go up because people take their year end bonuses or after their Christmas spending, or, you know, people are saving right now. They're not spending people. As soon as September starts, people going back to school, end of year, people are saving. It doesn't really get to the point where people get their year end bonuses, finish all their Christmas shopping that people start to spend. So that's why, um, in the financial world, that's at least why there's a little bit of a January effect is they'll take their bonus or they'll take certain things and add it to either their stock portfolio where they have a little bit more um, income to invest. Uh, so that same idea should parallel to the Web3 space, but we've seen Web3 does move a little faster uh, and go up and down faster than than the stock market. So I, I don't know. I, I've been out of financial analyzing for a very long time. If I were to guess, I don't think that we're going to see a very big um, January effect for a couple reasons. One, it's an election year coming up. So financially and, and 
economically, it makes more sense for candidates and for the Fed to pump us up a little later down the line. Like, yeah, I think we're going to see more of the economy recover, however they do it, <laughs> um, more towards that summer period. So I think there's, there's going to be a hold off here. So I don't know how big of a January effect that we're going to get. I think more importantly, I think we're going to see an increase in, in, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum more so because of the Bitcoin having than the January effect. Got it. So that was just the lead into my next, my next question. You know, I actually, um, we're having, a, you have said we have an election year and I'm like, I can't, I can't believe it's been four years, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. I my mean, wallet can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My wallet can too, but not because of that, but because of, you know, Celsius and FTX and, yeah. you know, and yeah. they were they weren't around four years. Like it wasn't a big, like they grew and like the crash, but like the big news it was quick. Was, it was quick. SBF was yeah. found guilty last week. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think will be the long-term impact because of that SBF verdict going forward? And what adjustments do you think, you know, uh, you see occurring in the industry because of it? Yeah, this is a very hot topic right now. And it's a lot of um, polarizing opinions here. And this is where I always tell everybody there's, I don't know what the exact number is. I know a few months ago, it was like around 2% of um, Americans own crypto wallets, right? So that means about 98% of the population is not as educated on Web3. Uh, so with that number, 98% to the 2% that really knows what's going on, it leaves that 98 very impressionable upon media. So how media decides to tell the story is usually how the 98% perceives it. And with that big of a population size, just interpreting what media tells them, uh, that normally becomes the norm, right? And, and us as the 2% that are experts in this space, we try to speak, we try to educate, but a lot it's a very big climb and a lot of the times we don't have as big of voices as as the media it's a big fight and we saw this happen with ftx we saw this happen with sbf we saw this happen even earlier when with with, with binance as well but it it really depends i think how um how the media is going to tell the story where i i hate that we're so contingent upon it but media does play a very big role on consumer confidence right if they tell the story if they tell the story you know SBF was found guilty. We've placed this, this, and this laws in place. So now crypto is now, we're, we're taking steps towards security. We're taking steps towards, um, towards, you know, your money being safe. We put this and this law in place so that they can no longer be bartering money that they don't actually own, right? If if that was the media narrative, I can see this having a very positive um recovery. I can definitely see people starting to spend because at the same time, we weren't able to define what security tokens were either, right, for the past couple of years. So it, but then if they tell the other story of SPF was found guilty, crypto is unstable, the biggest, you know, um, biggest story of the day, biggest scam, that will scare people away. Right? It, it, it really depends how they tell the story. And I, I think that it's as we can't control what media does. And the reason why I tell people this is that all we can do is start to educate people, tell people to listen to more podcasts, help people to make decisions for themselves, help people to read up on that. That's really all we can do. We will never have big enough voices to fight the media. Uh, so 
in, in terms of brands, that's why I always tell them, start with your community. The community trusts you, right? If you if you tell them you're safe with us and you do small test groups and stuff, you can really work with them and they, you can gain the trust of their community because they're already giving you money. That's the best way that people decide who they trust is who they give money to. Uh, so I always tell people that, you know, uh, the only way to get past this is to educate the people around us, your customers, your friends, your people. We can't control how they're going to tell this narrative with SPF. I'm glad that there's some awareness around this now, and I'm hoping that we get a little bit more um, guidelines, at least in the United States, before everybody leaves the U or every company leaves the U.S. I'm hoping that we get more guidelines to really keep more of um, crypto momentum here going into the next year. You said something. I think you might have answered my next question, but I was thinking this differently. You know, there's a lot of new, lot of news right now or rumors mm -hmm. around there being a spot Bitcoin ETF. You know, BlackRock, <laughs> BlackRock, and Fidelity, and all these companies. But yeah. and I was like, does Jamie Dimon owning Bitcoin affect me? I'm like, not really, but it does affect the media's narrative, doesn't it? Um, oh, totally. Yeah. Will will the spot Bitcoin ETF wipe the slate clean if the media tells it the right way? And what do you think is going to be will be that the the, the narrative there and how would it affect you? It, yeah, and and to just so that people understand that um, the the spot chain ETF it, it pretty much allows people to tr or um, uh, traditional investors to be able to add Bitcoin as a um, as a tradable asset, right? Uh, so uh, will it wipe the slate clean? I don't think so. But then again, we've been proven over and over that we forget things so easily. <laughs> so maybe I have very little, uh, uh, I it, it personally won't wipe the slate clean for me. But I do think that it will increase consumer confidence for many different uh, areas. I think if brands see that this is actually a tradable asset, I think that they'll, they'll be much more likely to accept Bitcoin as a form of payment. Because one of the reasons why they don't right now is the volatility in Bitcoin. It's unpredictable, right? But if there's some stability in there, it could encourage more brands to accept Bitcoin, which could in turn have a positive ripple effect um, around Web3 adoption. Uh, so I, I think that it could also bring you know, the price of Bitcoin up a little bit now that people understand that it is, there's a little bit more security there. So that'll recover the market a little bit more. We'll see more consumer confidence. So I think this is an overall a really good thing, but I don't think it'll wipe the slate clean. I also have questions on how this is being secured on the back end. Uh, so uh, especially when BlackRock's involved. So there's there's definitely some concerns I have about the the reasoning and the uh, and the uh, and the behind the scenes here but you know all said and done if this was something super clean it, i think it does bring a little bit more confidence into the bitcoin market yeah i agree with you i hope so um i think i think it, at least a little bit <laughs> so yeah um you mentioned this man's name early on um during this podcast and uh cyrus yeah and and I interviewed Cyrus also, uh, but I interviewed, I interviewed him like he's one of the like first ten podcasts I did. Oh wow! Um, okay, yeah, two and a half years ago, yeah. Um, and one of the things we talked about, we talked about the role of servant leadership. Uh huh. And 
you mentioned early on you didn't get into crypto because of the pump and dumps and the and the, and the quick money and neither did I, right? Yeah. Um, what do you see as the role of servant leadership in this industry? Is it still important? Um, how how can it be? You know, brought to the forefront. How, what's our role in being able to be of service to others to help them move forward and brands move forward in this space? Uh, that's a very good question, and I think it's not just the space i think it's everything i think servant leadership is how we really should you know lead our our lives even just with our neighbors with our you know our, our kids our schools our industry everything I, I i think especially in this industry especially because there is so much um conflicting media about web3 when we're able to really help other people get into this space and we're able to lead with empathy we're able to lead with lead by example, do the work with people, really see how we can help support people get into the space. Uh, that's really one of the, the most effective ways to get people in, right? There, if, if, if people are hearing all this doubt about crypto or Web3, but you have a leader like Cyrus who can tell you like, it's okay, like this is actually have some doubts, right? Like uh, I can answer them, question it, um, look into it, but let's also build if you like to build and you can have that sort of support. That's how you get somebody like that into the space. Right. Um, whereas you tell somebody like, no, don't look at the media. Don't do this. Uh, this is what you do. This is how you be successful. Give me your report at this time. You start to have it starts the the negative effects start to compound. Uh, this isn't just Web3. This is all this is this is all companies. Right. Whenever you have that, whenever there's a lack of servant leadership, uh, it, it, it compounds the negative. So. I definitely think now more than ever, we need to maintain servant leadership and maintain it in the bull run too. maintain a sense of humility, maintain a sense of, you know, um, human aspect just to this industry. We we go the other way. You forget about who you are as human in the bull run where you have so much money. You think you're invincible. You think you're on top of the world. You're spending like you're on top of the world, treating people like they're not on your level. It contributes to dropping us back down into another dip, Right. So uh, to answer your question, it's important. Cyrus and I can do a whole podcast on servant leadership. Both of us have coaching degrees. We we lead that way. We lead very directly with our team. We treat them like family. Uh, we, we're very honest with people and we are people that do the work instead of just telling other people to do it. Where'd you get your coaching degree from? So I started back with Landmark a while ago. Um, and then I took some courses in IPEC. He's Cyrus's CTI. Yeah. But it's important. I actually, I, I learned it, but a lot of the times with these coaching degrees, though, you almost, I personally find that I need to understand it and not preach it to other people and just be a real person with them. Nobody really wants to be coached, actually. You know, that's what I found. In the, and when I first started, I was like, okay, we'll do this step-by-step -step process, the seven steps doing that. And no one likes that. <laughs> so it's almost like it's important to understand what the steps are and how to coach people, but also break it down for people and not just be like telling people what to do. No, Nobody likes being back-ended questions onto, you know, nobody likes to be somebody who needs a coach to do something unless, they, unless you seek out an executive coach, which I think every CEO does need an executive coach. Uh, so lots I, to be said there <laughs> i agree yeah i'm a landmark guy too so um sounds good um so i want to thank you very much for your time today this has been an amazing conversation and um i have one last question it's probably sure. the easiest is how okay. can people 
information about you, about ShopX. How can they reach out to you if they'd like to? How can they do that? Yeah, I'll give you um, my LinkedIn uh, direct URL. You can always message me there. You can go to shopx.co and you can directly reach out to us there. Um, or ShopX Labs on our socials. We we are very responsive on there. Happy to answer any questions. If you guys want to get into our Discord community, uh, just shoot us a message. We will we'll be able to chat with you there. Uh, if you want to help us get more adoption into Web3, I'm always looking to speak to more brands, especially brands that are more forward thinking or e-commerce agencies. I love to collaborate with people in this space. I always say, there's no one competitor where you should be completely rival to. We can always help each other out. And if you guys want to help us out, just feel free to reach out to me. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. You had a lot of fun.